Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd, cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. Woo-hoo, what up? Welcome in. It is The Edge here on VSN. No, Matt Humans. Uh, you watch the network 24 7, so I know that you watched him on Follow the Money this morning, so you know that he is not here. But in his spot, I am not alone today, finally. I was getting a little depressed. Wes Reynolds is alongside. He's here today. He's also here tomorrow. So you get to hear another voice outside of my own just lecture you and throw numbers at you and tell you how smart I am. Um, hopefully it hasn't been that bad. But we have a lot of, lot of stuff to get to today, especially with Wes here. Golf, because we've got a couple of tournaments to discuss, especially some overnight golf worth watching. College hoops as the Dukies go down on the road to Florida State yesterday. So we'll recap that look ahead to today. An underdog finally gets there in overtime. Yes, finally. Yeah, the dog does not die uh, in overtime, which I actually thought might be the case last night when I was watching that game. Uh, And then the National Football League, which is where we kick things off here because, you know, Wes, I got in uh, early on uh, one of these games, San Francisco and Green Bay, because this is where I wanted to begin. And on the opening lines on Sunday, humans and I were talking about this, and I I guessed, I was like, I I thought this would open six and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And sure enough, we know where it opens. Some spots like Circa open as low as four and a half. It's been steadily making its way toward Green Bay. Uh, but we're now solid six across the board here for the Green Bay Packers. Total of 47 or 47 and a half. You know, looking at the news, it doesn't really seem like anything outside of the news that Garoppolo actually ended up spraining his shoulder. But it sounds like he's going to be fine and, and ready to go. Uh, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, it seems like it's positive in terms of them potentially being available. Unless I'm missing some news here, you know, I'm, I'm as much as I thought the line was going to be six and a half, I am somewhat surprised that this has steadily moved its way to Green Bay minus six. Yeah, and I think, look, you get recency bias because obviously they saw the 49ers yep. play last weekend, and I think there was respect for Dallas in the market. That did close three and a half because I think all week we we were hearing that, okay, when that gets to three and a half, here comes the wise guys on the 49ers, and maybe some of them did come in. But the fact that it closed three and a half pretty much market-wide, I think it was a little bit of the injury concern as well. But at six, kind of leaning a little San Francisco. I actually like the under a little bit better because if you look, the the Achilles heel, if you want to call it that, of Green Bay – is they're stopping the run. They are 28th against the run in terms of uh, football outsiders DVOA. And we kind of saw the Cleveland Browns, I think, uh, with two weeks left in the season. They had the blueprint in that Saturday afternoon game, just run the football, run the football, run the football. And then Kevin Stefanski had Baker Mayfield drop back to pass with Sewell Douglas picks it off, where Cleveland probably could have driven down for the winning score, the winning field goal. But nevertheless, Green Bay got the win. So, you know, the 49ers are very diverse, at least in their running attack, because they can now run Debo Samuel. Well, it's it's they what they've been doing Jennings. in Green Bay for two years now, yes. right? Like they've been a thorn in the paw of Green Bay every time they've met them. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So they have a diverse running attack, but also the 49ers. Now they have improved over the last couple of weeks, but we know if we've watched this team all season, this team in the secondary was absolutely hurting because they were dead last in the NFL in terms of most pass interference penalties, most defensive holding penalties. They did get some reinforcements. So they were a lot better against Dallas on Sunday. So it's really, I think all about what you think the game flow is going to be. Do you think the 49ers are going to be able to control the ball, keep Aaron Rodgers and keep that offense? Uh, on the bench and plus with Green Bay are they going to get some defensive reinforcements with uh, Jair Alexander is he going to come back and uh, they had a, a, another player the name is escaping me but nevertheless uh, I know you're on Green Bay with the early number I kind of lean 49ers here a little bit I think it will go down a little bit once uh, Warner and Bosa perhaps are cleared and then you got to find out if Darius Smith and Jair Alexander are going to be back for Green Bay but what I did play, and we'll get to it in the best bet segments, is the under. Yep. All right, if you look at limited participants and guys that you're talking about in terms of uh, injuries for the Green Bay Packers, you mentioned Jair Alexander. Marcus Valdez-Scantling uh, was a limited participant in practice this week, too. And then you get a couple of other guys that uh, are going to be just fine. Devondre Campbell, Aaron Jones, Billy Turner uh, for the Green Bay Packers. So as we look at this, and th- th- can I visit, too, really quickly, my favorite trope in sports betting? We do this all the time. The, uh, hey, man. This is a warm-weather team. Mm-hmm. The San Francisco 49ers aren't going to be used to going out there to Green Bay and playing <laughs> in this cold weather. Jimmy Garoppolo, who's from Arlington Heights, Illinois, and played at Eastern Illinois, mm-hmm. is not going to have any shot in the cold weather here. And I know that they lost that game, but did you watch that Sunday night game with the Colts and the 49ers? It was uh, one yeah. of the nastiest weather games all season, so I don't think weather's going to play a factor at all. No, I don't think so either, but you know, it, the, just the assumption because the, the franchise is located in San Francisco mm-hmm. that all these dudes That it's are like just, 90 degrees right. every day out there in the Bay Area, like it's never windy it never rains and all these dudes are just Bay Area guys who have never been in anything uh, lower than 55 degree weather so uh, that seems to be the news around there there's like some there seems to be like momentum behind the fact that Jimmy G's not going to play but mm-hmm. I'm I think he's going to be out there this weekend yeah and you know if he's not it would be absolutely insane but we'll see if that's going to be the case so that's one of the line moves uh, the other that is pretty interesting and we're going to have a war here later in the show and uh, between you Matt humans and myself a rare disagreement when it comes to best bets on this contest, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. So yesterday, uh, I bet this, I took three with the Los Angeles Rams. You can still grab a full three here uh, at the South Point Hotel and Casino West. 48 and a half is a total all the way around. Everywhere else, though, not the South Point because they don't answer the juice, everywhere else is shaded to the mm-hmm. dog side. So if you want to take three, it's minus 115 or minus 120, depending on where you shop. We saw this flash two and a half at a couple of shops like last night earlier this morning. So there seems to be some, uh, some support out there for the Los Angeles Rams, but quickly bought back to the three at multiple shops. What do you make of this matchup? Because the case that I was making yesterday was twofold. One, the injuries and absences across the board, they're starting to mount for Green Bay, or excuse me, for Tampa Bay. Yes. Right? We have multiple guys along the offensive line, two starters and a primary backup that could potentially not play this coming weekend. We know about the wide receiver situation already, down two wide receivers in Godwin and Antonio Brown. And the running back and, situation. And the running back situation. So this is starting to pile up, right? Cluster injuries in multiple positions or absences for Tampa Bay. And the other part of this is, too, is when you look at this from a couple of different angles, one, the Rams, we talk about like thorn in the paw. They've been a pain in the ass for Tom Brady the last two seasons. Tom Brady has played the Rams twice. He has lost to them twice as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, mm-hmm. right? If you look at the way that they run the football, it actually works against what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do so well, which is stout up the middle, but kind of weak on the outside and playing those outside edge rushes. Like, I kind of feel like this matchup works pretty well in favor of the Los Angeles Rams. I do too. And, and look, I thought that the sentiment of 
of what I was hearing in the immediate aftermath and into Monday morning on this game. I thought, okay, are we going to see three and a half on this game? And we have not. We are seeing what I would call week threes. And you mentioned juice to the Rams side at a lot of places, except here at the South Point, we get minus 110 on both sides here. But I think what you brought up with the offensive line is absolutely key. And that often gets overlooked in the market by even pro betters, but especially casual betters. You can replace skill position guys for a short amount of time. I mean, certain guys, maybe you cannot, but most receivers, running backs, you can do the next man up thing. That's tough to do on the offensive line. And if you got Wirfs that's not going to go, Jensen that's not going to go, that's going to make an absolute massive difference here. And I don't know if it's being priced or if it's being bet as such. It might be being bet as such because I think that these are absolutely huge injuries. And you just wonder how long Tampa Bay can kind of defy time here. They've been able to play very well, been able to win games without, you know, being at full strength, without Godwin and with A.B. leaving the team and Jones and Fournette did not play last Sunday against Philadelphia, but you wonder eventually when the weight is going to be too much. And I think Jensen is going to go on Sunday. I, I see him already listed as probable, but you know, he's, he's not hundred yep. percent. Nevertheless, uh, battling with the ankle injury. And I think the Rams, I almost think like the market, you know, the casual market is kind of like maybe discrediting Arizona more than they're crediting the Rams because they're yeah. going to be like Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury were just horrible. And that's the only reason the Rams won the game. The Rams played very well and did not turn the ball over. And like you said earlier this year in week three, 34-24, and the game really wasn't even that close. No, it wasn't. And you go back to the year before that when they played on Monday Night Football, and one of the weird things that stuck out, and there, there's Tom Brady, his record uh, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer against the Los Angeles Rams, right? 0-2 straight up and against the spread. Played him this year and then last year on Monday night. Um, that was Jared Goff, if you remember correctly. But, you know, this is what stuck out to me, Wes. If you look at this here, the rush yards per game at 38.5, and, and Brady has averaged 51.5 pass attempts per game in these two contests as a Buccaneer against the Los Angeles Rams, and it tells you that they haven't been able to run the ball, mm-hmm. that they've been trying to take advantage, I guess, potentially, of a Rams defense that just gives up a lot. It's a, it was, it's a, I'll call it a somewhat better version, actually better version, than the Philadelphia Eagles. Right? The Eagles will play zone defense, will keep everything in front of them, allow you to have short completions, right, and wrap everything up in front of them. Tom Brady picked that apart and was great with it. Uh, but the Rams are much better at doing that. And the other thing is, the Eagles don't have Aaron Donald in the middle to potentially ruin things right. up front. That Aaron, excuse me, uh, Tom Brady hates pressure. Yeah, Fletcher Cox was kind of on a milk cart on Sunday afternoon for Philadelphia. But but they, they did get to him at times, especially when those offensive line injuries started to rack up, right? They were getting pressure on Brady. They sacked him on a couple of key third downs. So I, I'm really, from a matchup perspective, it does seem that the Rams are going to be the side. But as I mentioned yesterday, and I'm sure you agree, this is just going to float around three yeah, or it's two gonna and Yeah, it's going to dance kind of, I think, where the number yeah. is. Because, look, there's going to be enough perception out there because the perception obviously is out there. Oh, Matthew Stafford can't win a big game because he was 0-3 in the playoffs going into Monday. But keep in mind, he was the sixth seed every time. I think he was a touchdown underdog in every single game he was with the Detroit Lions. So I think that narrative gets a little bit overplayed. Yeah. So then we go from this, and I want to get your thoughts on the game of the weekend. Uh, AFC, the faux AFC championship game? No, because we have two legitimate contenders on the other side. Uh, but it's the Chiefs and the Bills. And this is one that's pretty fascinating, too, because when we talked Chris Andrews Sunday night, uh, mentioned to humans and myself on the opening lines that he wanted to be a little high in the market. So he opened up two and a half. Uh, other spots were floating around one and a half. We saw those wide variety of numbers in the last few days. Well, there's been a, a steady move toward Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Two and a half is pretty much gone. It's either two or one and a half, depending on where you look. 
I'm interested in your thoughts on this matchup because we went through some of the numbers yesterday. And the one thing that has really stuck out about Patrick Mahomes in terms of how he has improved, he's been so much better when teams are just dropping back in coverage and not blitzing him. But what do you make of this? Where were you at in this one? Yeah, I lean Chiefs in the game. And full disclosure, I do have a Bills uh, Super Bowl future, so it might be a little bit of a hedge thing. What do you got, huh? I do got the Bills at uh, 12 to 1 at for the Super Bowl look for the you. summer. But look, I think Kansas City, the defense has been very good at home. I think before that Pittsburgh game where Pittsburgh got a bunch of garbage scores late. Kansas City was holding opponents to like 10 points a game at home over the last six games. So the defense has absolutely improved. And I think they can get pressure on Josh Allen. Melvin Ingram obviously has changed the trajectory really of yeah. this defense. So I'm going to be interested to see how Buffalo tries to attack if they go a little bit more run heavy here. Yep. All right. Well, we have plenty left here on the edge. Uh, when we come back, it's a really big card in the NBA in the, so in the uh, college hoops world as well. So we'll get to a little bit of hardwood. Uh, we also have golf tournaments to discuss since Wes is here. We'll pick his brain on that. And of course, wrap up the shows we always do with best bets. The Edge here on b Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hunt down a win with the football showdown series presented by Amazon Prime Video's Reacher. 
Play free fantasy football during the playoffs and fight for your share of $20,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Jack Reacher now to get in on the action. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com uh, for details. Guys, hey, look, I think we need to be a little bit better and be a little bit more professional. You guys accidentally used a picture of Wes Reynolds right there, and uh, <laughs> it's clearly a massive mistake. Buff Tan and Jack, JVP. <laughs> right, that was Wes over the weekend. Just a little screenshot. Just sent it in. <laughs> hey, it's, it happens. You get them mixed up all the time, just like we get me and Cyril Gan mixed up all the time. All right, let's talk a little bit about um, some hoops. First off, last night, uh, we were talking about this off the air. How'd the night go for you? I was, my, eye on a, my eye was on a couple of games, uh, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and then uh, really was on the main screen, Duke mm-hmm. uh, and Florida State. And Blue Devils uh, had a good flurry at the end of the first half. Looked like maybe in the second half they were going to be able to cruise to a victory. Ultimately not the case, though, and end up losing in overtime. Uh, and now this is two losses, right, in conference yeah. for this Duke team. And I would say, I mean, I don't know if head-scratching is the word, uh, but Miami and Florida State, not the best losses for a team with the aspirations well, of Duke. and the ACC is down anyway. Right. Uh, my night was kind of like so-so. I did win that one with Florida State. I was like, oh, gosh. I was texting with humans, and I was like, now Florida State's in overtime. It's over, and they eventually uh, won 79-78. But uh, the ACC has just been down this year. Duke is the only team in the top 25. I'm sure Florida State will join that uh, Duke next week uh, with this big win. But nobody's really great in that conference. And, uh, you know, a couple uh, games last night I got on the wrong side of COVID. I did take West Virginia at Apex at six when Akinjo wasn't going to go. West Virginia was right in the game. Baylor ends up closing it out. Baylor really hit a lot of threes in that game, 77-68. Did the same thing with Northwestern as well when Pete Nance, their leading scorer, was given the clearance and took three, which was the most you can get in the market. Wisconsin ended up putting them away 82-76. So what do you make big picture-wise? Because I mentioned I was watching the Texas Tech game. So Iowa State goes out. Uh, offensively, really doesn't have anything. They draw, they score 60 points. Offensive rating of 80, 70, uh, 87.5. Uh, they are eight and a half point underdog. They don't cover against Texas Tech. And to be fair to Iowa State, who has you know been really good this year, mm-hmm. this is a brutal schedule that they have gone through, right? Yes. And this was a big revenge spot for Texas Tech. Uh, Tech, of course, lost to them earlier in the year, 51 to 47. Um, that was in Ames, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, that was in Ames. So this and, was... and Texas Tech was without two starters yep. in that game. Uh, uh, Terrence Shannon did not go in that game, nor did uh, Kevin McCuller. But it was kind of a good scheduling spot. And I ended up being on the Red Raiders last night. It was a good scheduling spot for them because they had a tough one on Saturday yep. having to go to Manhattan and play Kansas State because if you look at Texas Tech, three big wins in a row. You beat Kansas, then you go to Baylor, knock off then undefeated number one Baylor, and then you don't let down two days later and you blow out Oklahoma State. And Texas Tech just had nothing left on Saturday for Kansas State. They weren't rotating on defense because we know what Mark Adams' club does. They have a no-middle defense, so they rotate, they chase all the screens, and they are a nightmare to score against. They are number two in adjusted defensive efficiency, and you you saw that last night in the second half with the 72-60 win. So what's the what's the ceiling for this Iowa State team? Because I'm just when you look at them and their statistical output, again, it's a pretty rough schedule by Ken Palm like numbers uh, in this Big 12 schedule, like this brunt that they're in. Uh, they have taken on three teams that are inside, excuse me, four teams that are inside the top uh, 14. Right, we're talking mm-hmm. about two games against Texas Tech, Baylor, and Kansas. On top of Texas and Oklahoma, who are really good programs, obviously. 
like, what do we make of Iowa State in the swoon that they're in after a really good start to the season? I got to think at least in the short term they're going to get right here because really I'm surprised at Iowa State. Not that yeah. Otzelberger has got them turned around because I think Otzelberger, despite what we saw here at UNLV, is a very good coach. I think he's kind of where he needs well, to be. And to give him credit, right, that first year here with UNLV, at the, the tail end of the year they got better, mm-hmm. right? There was I think it seemed more interpersonal than anything mm-hmm. else in terms of the issues that were here at UNLV by the time right. the second year ended. But what I'm surprised with, really, with Iowa State is they are a very Trevor uh, transfer-heavy team. Yep. And to get these guys to play together, but they're veteran transfers. Brockington, Gabe Kalsher, who came in from Minnesota, Caleb Grill. So, yeah, this has been a brutal schedule. Look at what they've had to do so far for 2022. Had Baylor at home, then Texas Tech at home, then they had to go to Oklahoma, then they had to go to Kansas, then they had Texas at home, then they went to Texas Tech. Now it drops in class a little bit. Saturday they get TCU at home, next Wednesday at Oklahoma State, and then they get Missouri for that little SEC Big 12 challenge that they always have in late January. So you got to think that this is at least a catch your breath, get right spot for Iowa State where they should pick up some wins. All right, let's go to today then because uh, we got some pretty interesting spots here, uh, including one. It does seem the market is uh, all over a bounce back here by the Crimson Tide. Mm-hmm. Alabama has lost three straight. That has not gone well since they went over Houston, actually. Um, this is a team that was 8-1 and one at one point, now sits at 11-6 and six and 2-3 and three in conference play, coming off of a loss to Mississippi State. And their losses, too, have been close ones, right? I mean, Missouri, the Auburn game, which second half was a lot stronger yeah. and got back into that one. And then the Mississippi State contest. What do you make of this matchup with LSU, who all of a sudden defensively uh, is one of the best teams? Actually, I shouldn't even say one of the best teams. They lead the league, or excuse me, the country in adjusted defensive mm-hmm. efficiency at this point. But this one's up to four. It feels like it's a get-right spot for Alabama, but it already has been bet accordingly, now yep. up to four. So you're kind of chasing really a bad number here. It's that unranked uh, favorite against ranked uh, underdog here. But one of the things with LSU, they did blow that game on Saturday against <laughs> Arkansas, and I kind of look up at the score. I was like, how did they lose that game? And sometimes when a team does that, when they blow a game at home, then they got to go on the road. Sometimes you lose a second game in one night. So that's kind of the concern here for LSU. But Alabama's going to have to get some threes uh, here, and 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 look, uh, and that's what Nate Oates wants to do. You know, three and rim basically. You can't get to take forty five percent of your attempts from three and shoot thirty one percent. Yeah, no, <laughs> and that's what cost them uh, a week ago against right. uh, against Auburn, where it's like you know. They're right there. Auburn kept going on a run. Alabama kept coming back. Auburn go on another run. Alabama kept coming back. But, you know, it's going to be tough, I think, at least for Alabama. I mean, you know, you have an offense that I think is due for some positive three-point regression. But LSU is so lengthy and athletic, especially at the rim. They don't allow very much. So, I feel – I don't disagree with the market here coming in on Alabama. But I don't think you can bet it at four because you're getting the absolute worst of it right now. All right. I will let you take the wheel here. Where do you want to go? Because we got a lot of good games uh, on tap for college hoops tonight. We can go with Kentucky, Texas A&M, Iowa Rutgers, or Villanova Marquette. Okay, we'll go with Kentucky and Texas A&M right. here, and I know uh, we will talk about that in the best bets. And it's tough to go against the Cats right now, and I did put a little bit of something on them uh, in early January to win the national championship. I think this team, usually Cal's team, doesn't start peaking until February or March, but now they're peaking in January. And you look uh, – Maybe the biggest game of the Bubs-Williams era down there in College Station to get Kentucky coming in. Kentucky, 
1.47 points per possession against Tennessee had 107 yep. points. And by the way, that Tennessee defense that Rick Barnes has is a top five defense in America. So you are getting Kentucky absolutely at the apex. And that's why they're laying seven and a half, maybe when they'd be laying five and a half or six here. You've got the big showdown at Auburn, who's now number two in the country. And Kentucky and Auburn right now look like the two best teams in the Southeastern Conference. But I think Texas A&M, you know, being unranked, uh, been very quietly a good team. I actually watched them here in person at the Maui slash Mandalay Bay Invitational. They were in that first Monday game against Wisconsin. They came out and hit like five or six threes and just blitzed Wisconsin. But yet Wisconsin, who's pretty darn good, as we've seen last night, they're now in the top ten basically shut them down and took the lead at the half and were able to pull away. Uh, look, when, when I look at this, Kentucky actually has some guys that can shoot the ball, though, this mm-hmm. year with Kellen Grady, the transfer from Davidson. I think Tashibwe is absolutely... They lead the a, SEC in shooting right now. Yes, yes. Percentage. And I think Tashibwe, the transfer from West Virginia, he is absolutely a player of the year candidate, just how elite he is on rebounding. Sabir Wheeler, a good graduate transfer from Georgia, but... A&M is really good at attacking out of the pick and roll. So I think they're going to make you Kentucky defend these ball screens here and, and make them play defense. And that's what you really have to do. I thought seven and a half was a little high. I actually played half and half first half and game on the Aggies. Yeah. Big matchup here to watch uh, Toshibwe, literally the best rebounder in the country by Ken Palm metrics leads the uh, country in offensive and defensive rebounder individually uh, Kentucky on the season, best offensive rebounding team in the nation. Texas A&M, 270th and keeping teams up. Yeah, the and, that, and that's usually not going to be good against the big O. Oh, uh, dude, that uh, guy's right incredible. Now. Yeah, he's he's been an absolute marvel, I think, for Kentucky. But when you look what Texas A&M is, is going to have to do and what, what they have done is they have forced turnovers. They yep. are ninth best in the country. Opponents turn it over 25.4% of the time. And they're not a bad little shooting team either. 37% as a team. They are going to have to make threes tonight against these Wildcats. But I think it's just kind of maybe a little bit of a sell high spot, if you will, at least in the short term, in the interim on the Wildcats. They got that big game with Auburn on Saturday. You got 45 seconds on Iowa laying three on the road against Rutgers. You got anything here? I do not. I kind of want to go Rutgers here because Rutgers can still play very good defense. They're obviously tough at the rack, actually now known as the Jersey Mike's Arena. They've already beaten Purdue there. They've already beaten Michigan there. Iowa, we know that they're not very much to sneeze at uh, defensively, but offensively still very good, very good shooting team. But lean Rutgers, but I wish I was getting a little bit more. Yeah, defense rating a 110.6 in conference play for Iowa so far. Yeah, the only way that they can really do anything is if they're trapping you. Now, they'll try to do different things. They're not like a sagging defense, but they'll gamble for steals because they kind of have to because not much resistance at the rim. All right, let's get back. Uh, let's, let's do a little bit. Well, we have a lot to get to, right? There's maybe like one or two college basketball games left. We've got a full slate of NBA and, of course, a little bit of golf so we can hit the links with Wes Reynolds here on the other side. is the edge on VSN, the sports betting network. Never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VSIN is a part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, and then on championship weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage. You know why that's crazy? 
because there's only 24 hours in a day and there's only Saturday and Sunday. So somehow we're giving you 56 hours of free coverage. How about that? It's the biggest game of the year. So make plans now to join VSIN leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. How about that? If you're old, I've been here for all six. God willing. All six. It's the biggest game of the year. Make plans now. Join the VSIN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VSIN.com. Sounds like Matt Humans and I will be on uh, before the game, a little like like right before. That's always the good stuff, right? Like right before kickoff. God, I can't wait. Props galore. You excited? Super Bowl weekend? Do you get a little? You get a little nervous? Yeah, it should be fun. I have no idea where I'm going to be. They'll just tell me where to go, and I guess I go there. Uh, you took that down a notch. So the energy is not there for you. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a downer there, West, but that's fine. Uh, we were reminiscing off the air about uh, the good old days of the Indianapolis Colts and how competitive they used to be. Um, yeah, I can't really, I can't really, because they were actually kind of disappointing at times. They didn't win. So I don't know what I like the best. I, do I like being competitive and losing all the time? Or do I like Carson Wentz as my quarterback and not making the postseason? I don't know. Painful. I, I, I'd like to be there and at least have my shot at bat and then lose in the big stage. That's a good point. All right. Let's talk a little golf stadium course, PGA West. Walk us through what's happened at the American Express here because John Rahm, this is, this is going to be the case for John Rahm and not necessarily at five to one. But he is going to be at the top of the board mm-hmm. every single time, unless there is an injury or barring an act of God. He is going to be in the range of, I would say, what? The best odds you will find on John Rahm all year long will be 12 to 1 in a tournament. Would that be fair? Yeah, that would probably be, I mean, maybe 10 or 12 to yeah. 1, maybe in a major because you right. have a more condensed field because, of course, you got Justin Thomas and all the other guys and Marikawa and Victor Hovland, Roy McElroy, all these top players. But John Rahm, by the way, is a former winner here in 2018 at 10 to 1. Really the only short shot that's won this event, though, in recent years. You've seen some bombs win here. And, by the way, American Express is on three courses. You mentioned the uh, stadium course, the die course. That will be the course everybody plays in the final round on Sunday, but a three-course rotation here, the die course, and then also the tournament course, which is a Nicholas design, then La Quinta Country Club returns here. That's the shortest of the three courses. All three of these courses, by the way, are under 7,200 yards. Similar greens, Bermuda with some POA overseed, but these greens basically are like carpet, what you read from some of the player comments here, so they're going to putt very smoothly. You're going to have to be mid-20-ish under par, I think, to have a chance to win here on Sundays, but like I mentioned, Mentioned, you have seen some bombs get here. Siwoo Kim was 55 to 1 last yep. year. He was the defending champion, but Andrew Landry won here at 200 to 1. Uh, and Adam Long won here at 600 to 1 back in 2019. Patrick Reed, when he was early in his career, 2014, 135 to 1. Mark Wilson, 125 to 1. So this is a tournament, despite the fact that you do have quality at the top, that you can go down the board a little bit with triple digit guys. But look, Rahm and Cantley, could they theoretically run away with this? Sure. Rahm's won here before. Cantley was the runner up to see Wu Kim last year. But I think there's some value down the board. So. When you when it comes to handicapping a tournament like this, where we're talking about multiple courses, is the best weapon just looking at guys like die courses? Like, what's the weapon in terms of handicapping? Because course history yeah. is touch and go, right? Because yeah. we're only talking about yeah. one yeah. round this on the course. This is really tough too, because they only have the strokes gain data from the stadium course, which is the die design. They don't have it for the Nicholas course or for La Quinta. Which I got some in La Quinta right here in front of me. Did you did you find something? Yeah, I got something for La Quinta Country Club. Uh, let's see, like for example, true strokes gained uh, in terms of rounds for like for most rounds played so we got like bill haas 15 rounds played plus 1.86 okay 
Um, okay. Yeah, you know, like so it's there. But to your point, I mean, we're talking about really short sample sizes, so I don't even know how much you really buy into but this. But if you look at the courses that are non-die designs that are yeah. kind of comparable, they're really all three of these layouts, TPC Summerlin yep. right out here where they uh, play the Shriners Open, TPC Scottsdale I think is comparable, Silverado out in Napa where they play the Fortinet Championship, uh, uh, Nicholas Design, you can maybe use Sherwood out in Thousand Oaks. Uh, so really, if you want to look at those courses, see how players have done there before. And then plus, you've got the die link, of course, guys that have played well, maybe at River Highlands or at Harbortown or at TPC Sawgrass. So plenty of course correlations here. All right. So as we look around in terms of so we talk about course correlation, probably your biggest strength here. Uh, let's talk about types of golfers that you kind of want then in terms of just game. Yeah, I mean, approach, you're going to use every single week because right. this is not a uh, layout, none of these courses really, where you're going to find like a ton of trouble off the tee. So you don't have to be a big hitter here. So these are all less than 7,200 yards. So distance is never a disadvantage, but really everybody's kind of in play here. It's it's all I think about about your ball striking, birdie or better, guys that can really go on birdie runs. I did look at strokes gain total, less than 7,200 yard courses. I also looked at the Pete Dye link because at least two of the four rounds are going to be Pete Dye's. Yeah. And vintage uh, Pete Dye courses, you get a lot of shorter par threes. I think there's two par threes on that course that's under 150 yards. So I looked at strokes gained par three. All right. So what about a couple of guys that you like here in terms of uh, plays? We'll go. We'll go tournament first, as opposed to maybe some matchups. Yeah, uh, the guys that I went with the shorter prices are both thirty to one. I went with Taylor Gooch at thirty to okay. one. Won the last event of twenty twenty one at the RSM Classic. He's made the cut here in all four appearances. Has a fourth here. Played well in Hawaii. Yeah, absolutely. And T five at the Players uh, last year, which is a Pete Dye design. So he's got a lot of course correlations here. Abraham Answer kind of seems like the obvious choice, but I had to play him at thirty. He's now in the mid twenties here, but was runner up here in twenty twenty. T5 here last year. Pete Dye specialist. When I looked at that strokes gain, Pete Dye over the last 36 rounds, Abraham answered by a wide margin was the top guy. And why not? Runner up in 2020 at the RBC Heritage. Remember when he hit like 65 to 72 greens and still found a way to lose the Webb Simpson mm -hmm. by a stroke there. T4 last year at the Travelers. T8 at the PGA, which was played at Kiwa Island down in South Carolina. Another Pete Dye design. Uh, TPC Summerlin, strong correlation. Answer's got two top fives out here, so played him. My middle guy was Christian Bezadenhut at 62-1. to one. Really good putter, very elite. Sixth in the field for strokes gained putting, second for strokes gained short game. Playing a lot of these American courses for the first time because he does now have PGA Tour status, so... He's getting a first look at these with T-17 last week at Sony. 31 of his last 32 in terms of making the cut. So I think this is a guy who can get real strong with the putter and be up there in the leaderboard. And then a bunch of triple-digit guys. Russell Knox, 100-1. Seventh last week at the Sony Open. Gained strokes across the board. Former winner on a Pete Dye course, the Travelers. Also a runner-up at the RBC Heritage. Tom Hoagie, 125-1. to Tied for six back here in 2020. He's had a few top fives over the last few seasons. He's kind of one of those guys been knocking on the door for a win. Hayden Buckley, PGA Tour rookie, 140 to one. Had two top tens to close the season last year. Also T12 last week at the Sony. He was nope. second in the field for strokes gained off the tee. And then Andrew Putnam, 150 to one, has made all four cuts here. He's played four events. Was T10 here two years ago. Adam Shank, 205 to one. 
career best finish last fall at TPC Summerlin. He was uh, third place and then had three top fives last season. Really good putter, fifth in the field over the last 36 rounds for strokes gained putting. Uh, really quick, any guys that uh, you think are definitely worth avoiding or playing against? Some yeah, matchups? Nah, you know, when I was looking at that, I didn't do a ton of matchups this week because it's so hard because right. you have these three different courses and whatnot. But some of these guys that might be making their first start. Now, I'm going to be on him probably in short order, but there's been a lot of love for Matthew Wolf this week. Yeah. And I don't like a guy necessarily in his first start. He didn't play in Hawaii because he didn't win an event last year, so he wasn't in the TOC. Might take a week for him, I think, to kind of get off the deck. But I do think he is starting to make some turnarounds in his game. Yeah, pretty short too at, at 28 to one. For yeah. I thought right he now. was a little bit short here. Yep. All right. Really quickly too, because uh, pe people who aren't uh, as into golf as you are, there is Abu Dhabi this week too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, there is. And by the way, a very good field over there. You got 14 of the top 60 in the world. Colin Marikawa and Rory McIlroy are both co-favorites at seven to one. Victor Hovland, 10 to one. Victor Hovland uh, played at the century like Morikawa. So he's at least get got some rust off. This is Rory McIlroy's first start after the top three. There's a little bit of a gap in the market and that's where I started my card. I went Still with some good names here though yeah. outside of the top three. Yeah and, and one of them I went with is Shane Lowry 22 yeah. to 1. Obvious links pedigree. By the way this Abu Dhabi if you're looking at like past course form this is no longer at the Abu Dhabi Golf Club. This is now at Yas Golf Links which is links setup in Abu Dhabi so Lowry former champion golfer of the year won the Claret Jug at Royal Portrush. I think he'll really like being on a links layout. Adam Scott 35 to 1 trying to get hit. He just fell out of the top 50 yeah. so I think there's some urgency for him start off well Eric Von Royen 40 to 1 couple guys that are proven Lynx players that have won big events on Lynx courses Danny Willett 80 to 1 uh, always seems to kind of get there he won the Dunhill Lynx last fall in Scotland and then Halton Lee it looks like he's back after he missed 13 straight cuts to start 2021 but really kind of rebounded last fall 125 to 1 he was also T12 last week at the Sony Joachim Lagergren 125 to 1 has won on a course designed by this course designer Kyle Phillips who also designed Kings Barnes which is part of the Dunhill length so lager grin 125 my long shot man all right we only got 30 seconds i was going to ask about more at the top there links golf for the first time if i remember right the open championship yeah and he, and he did pretty darn well yeah, didn't he, did. he? And uh, now he's plus 650. so you know it's tough to not to not to not take him but right, this is such a short uh you know still getting used to i think playing cool. more of an international schedule yeah i was my, my actually thought was is plus 650 kind of short for a guy who you know doesn't have that long of a course history probably ought course. to be the favorite actually over mcelroy right. uh but maybe mcelroy will like going on links because he's finished runner-up four times on the old course in this God, event. Morikawa destroyed that course last year at the Open. All right, we'll come back. Uh, plenty left to get to in best bets as we wrap up the Edge on v -Sin. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. 
Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. Segment of The Edge, which is best bet, brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. A fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties. Experiment wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to Zyn.com slash find to locate a store near you. That is ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. Best bets start in the NBA. We can get to a couple of the NBA games, too, if you have any interest in uh, it's a It's a really deep card today. I think, what, 11 or 12 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of games with some substance to them, too. But two plays. So we'll start with the total here, Wes. Uh, one that I'm probably going to hate myself for betting just because betting unders in the NBA is one of the most stressful things you can do next to, I don't know, open heart surgery, joining the Army, things like that. Uh, under 213.5 between these two. And really, so for me, it's a couple of things. One, it's, it starts with Orlando offensively. They, they got nothing inside. 18th in frequency of attempts within four feet of the basket, 24th in rim shooting. They generate everything from the perimeter in terms of their scoring. And this is one of the best perimeter defenses in the NBA. Ninth in opponent three-point shooting. It's a team that leads the league in tightly contested three-point shots to Philadelphia 76ers. I just think the defensive effort's going to be there to the point where this is going to be able to stay under the total. It's, there's obviously a, a universe in which Philly scores enough that pushes this over, right? And it's up to 214 in some spots. But I think ultimately Orlando's not going to have anything on their end of the floor. And I'm going to think that this is going to go under the total of 213 and a half. Yeah, I could uh, definitely see that. And I do have interest, by the way, in your second play. Yeah, is this going to be have... is this going to be the battle of uh, teams that have fired Frank Vogel? Apparently <laughs> uh, that uh, Frank Vogel is going to be the fall guy out there in Los Angeles for this not working out much like he was in Indianapolis. You got to tell you, if, if Vogel gets fired, I just don't know what they want. Right. Because right. The, the roster's been in shambles. It's been yeah. injuries. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played a second in the yeah. regular season. 
Uh, but regardless, yeah, Lakers minus four and a half. And you could speak on the, the Pacers. You follow them. But if you go back to since December 15th, this has been one of the worst defenses in the NBA. We're talking about a team uh, that is giving up 117.9 points every 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. If you look at what they have failed to do, it's rim defense, it's transition defense over the stretch, two areas of the floor which the Lakers want to do. They want to get out and run. They want to attack within four feet of the basket. Uh, there is a chance that Carmelo Anthony comes back. And Malcolm Brogdon has been questionable for like a month mm-hmm. and hasn't played with this Achilles issue. We know mm-hmm. that Turner's been out, and that injury sounds worse than it really is. I just think that this is, right now, the, the Pacers had that stretch where they covered was like five out of six or something like right. that. They were plucky, but this defense has fallen off, and this is the Lakers team. Snapped their skid against Utah Jazz the other day. Stanley Johnson with 12 points in the fourth quarter. I think from a matchup perspective, it works in favor of the Lakers. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, the Pacers, I think everybody except for Chris Duarte needs to be on the trading block, right. basically. that I read an interesting stat the other day, and I've lived this as a Pacer fan and as a former employee. The Pacers have not had a single digit by the number in terms of a first-round pick. That means one through nine since 1990. Wow, George McLeod. Wow, they've been stuck in purgatory. They've been stuck yeah. in the middle, and, and that's the thing about the Pacers. They can never, like, scrap and totally rebuild because they're they're never that poor. They're never quite a dreg of humanity, but they're never obviously quite right there. Let me ask you about one NBA game, yeah. though. What do, what do you think of this? Because I saw a very interesting trend. And this is the Clippers and the Nuggets tonight. And remember, the Nuggets did blow that big lead against the Clippers. Yep. I think it was last week. The Nuggets in the first half against the number this year are 26-15-1. And, and then in the second half, they're 13-28-1. and 32% uh, yeah. for that number. Uh, what's the explanation? of this team. I mean, my my initial thought would be, I mean, because the rotation with Jokic is pretty even in terms of what they put him out there for. Like that, that would be the one thing that just makes the most sense if if Malone staggers minutes to where the rest for Jokic is longer in the second half, and thus they you know blow some of these games, mm-hmm. right? Because if you look, the thing with the Nuggets has been. Jokic on the court, world beaters that are statistically on the level of like a Phoenix Suns. When he's off the court, they are the Detroit Pistons. And I think I wonder if that has something to do with it. But that is pretty fascinating because in the second half is where they blew that 25-point lead to the Clippers and ultimately lost that game. Uh, But I will say eight and a half seems pretty rich for a team that is this poor without Jokic on the floor that's going to have to put their bench out there, obviously. And the Clippers do have some... I, I called them in the write-up. Like there are some things that you actually like about this team every once in a while, especially uh, when you look at them defensively at mm-hmm. times. And there is a shot that one Luke Kennard can come back, which is pretty big for this offense. But that's pretty fascinating in terms of how bad. That yeah, team has been. and I just when I was doing some research, just kind of looking up the games today, and I always look at your stuff at Veasan.com, which you can get every day. About as good of an NBA breakdown as you are going to find. And I just noticed that trend. Yep. I was like, wow, that is really weird to only be 32% in the second half. Yep. Haven't done well against the Western Conference either, the Denver Nuggets. So it speaks to the teams that have been on their level. They have not performed very well against. All right. With that, National Football League, the two best bets that are on the card. Uh, for me, we did it yesterday, right? Packers minus five earlier in the week. And then the Rams plus three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, this matters. We should have like some sort of note of like an alarm or something. Humans and I, oddly, like all season long, have kind of been locking step with the plays that we have had, right. especially in the National Football League. Um, not so much this time around. Matt Humans has sent in. This is how crazy it is. Matt Humans, who's off the show this week, sent this in. Wanted this in on the best bets. Sent this in via armored courier to right. our producer, Matt Santos. Buccaneers minus two and a half against the Rams. Bring it on, old man. Let's go. No. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, I, I, obviously, it's underneath the key number there. 
Uh, it's probably buying against a Rams team that mm, I don't want to speak for him. Uh, but I would assume the some of the rationale for those who don't like the Rams this weekend is Matthew Stafford has not been very good, right? Barring last week against the Arizona right. Cardinals, and that maybe this number being this short is an overreaction to a dominant performance from the Rams on Monday night. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Tom Brady, if you want to yes. be a trend player, he's got some pretty darn good trends against the spread in the playoffs. So I can kind of understand that, but. Uh, Kind uh, of. Are, all, you, are you questioning Matt Humans? I I would never dare question Matt Humans. I mean, come on now. But plus three on the Rams. I think both of us are actually on that side. I just, you know, I don't know if we're going to see three and a half because of those offensive line injuries. But I did. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just going with my gut here that the Rams are going to be live on Sunday. Yep, I would agree. All right, what do you got? You got anything best best wise? Yeah, I got some college basketball plays. Let do me it. Uh, see what is uh, on the uh, graphic here in terms of what I sent in. One that I did mention earlier, I took first half and full game, split it up four and a half. First half, seven and a half full game, Texas A&M against Kentucky. I'll tie that in with Georgia and Auburn. Georgia okay. plus 22 at Auburn. Tom Crean's club is dreadful. No question about it. I'm not going to try to spin like that they're a great team. But I just think for Auburn, is this a little bit of a sleepy spot with the Wildcats coming in? They're going to have, you know, the big game. It's going to be the big featured time on Saturday with Kentucky coming in. So maybe Georgia kind of sneaks in that number. Georgia Tech plus three and plus one and a half for the first half against Wake Forest. Uh, Georgia Tech has kind of had some rotten luck, lost a lot of close games lately. think that this is probably the spot where they get a little bit right against a very improved Demon Deacons team. Demon Deacons like to get the ball up the floor, but Georgia Tech really good in transition defense. So I think Passner of that 1-3-1, he is going to slow this down here. So Georgia Tech split at first half in game. And then kind of an interesting spot tonight with uh, Valper Razo against Northern Iowa. Valpo plus five at home against UNI. Valpo lost by 27 earlier this month at UNI. And Valpo now one and five in the conference. That started a four-game losing streak. But they've been unlucky. Five of their ten losses this season have come in overtime or by three points or less. They took Loyola, who's number one in the conference, to double overtime last week. Meanwhile, UNI's kind of been winning the close games. 85-84 at Missouri State. 80-74 against Indiana State, a shorthanded team in overtime and then 69-68 at Southern Illinois. So I kind of feel like it's almost like a regression play. Valpo's been a hard luck team. UNI has been a very good luck team. UNI, by the way, has Drake on deck. Drake mm -hmm. and Loyola have kind of been the best two teams over the last couple of years in the Missouri Valley. So maybe could be a little flat for Northern Iowa. So I like Valpo plus five. A couple others I sent in. Citadel plus 13 at Wofford. Duggar Balkan's team's playing a little bit slower this year. Wofford still keeping consistency uh, with the new coach, Jay McCauley. So took Citadel plus 13, and that's my college basketball for tonight. I like it. There's a couple of interesting games uh, in the Mountain West tonight, too. And really, I think the, the top of the list is going to be, for me, um, and this might sound surprising, but watching Wyoming, because I've been really impressed with Wyoming yeah. in this early part of the season. And I'm not sure if people have, you know, like, you know, Mountain West is not the most Jeff Linder's done a really good job with oh, that team. They're great in terms of what they've been able to do offensively. They've been really solid. Uh, what they've been able to do on the interior. And they have some really good personnel there, too. Halter Mondonado, uh, Graham Ike, they've done a great job with that of that program. They're 17, 17 and a half point favorite against San Jose State here. And it's just, I'm more interested in is, is this Wyoming team kind of setting themselves apart here? Uh, can they dominate a lower uh, lower tiered 
opponent. Yeah, like San Jose and San Jose State. State down on personnel, though I think yep. I, we've always, I think, thought highly of Tim Miles as a coach. Uh, this is their third game in five days, though, and Wyoming did win at Utah State, not an yep. easy place to win, did win up in Reno against uh, the Nevada Wolfpack. So is this kind of like a dead spot for this team? Uh, I don't know if I want any part of San Jose State, but I don't think I'm laying it with the Cowboys. Now watch out for this Wyoming team in terms of maybe winning this conference. They, they are legitimately uh, one of the better teams in the Mountain West. Yeah, Utah State's been really erratic this yeah. year. But it's kind of weird. I think Utah State has been that before, though, too. We've seen that in the past. All right, we are all done. My guys in the desert coming up next. Vston.com slash podcasts, wherever you get your podcast to listen in on any of the shows that you missed out on. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From football playoffs to basketball madness, TCL Roku TVs are the best way to stream your favorite live sports. With all the biggest sports channels, a sports zone with all available games in one place, and apps like iHeartRadio with sports podcasts such as The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Cheering on your favorite team has never been easier. A big screen TCL Roku TV offers premium picture and sound quality, so you'll feel like you're right in the action. Find the perfect TCL Roku TV for you today at Amazon.com.